Welcome to the Connected by Care Portal podcast, where a range of perspectives provide insight to the experiences behind the Care Portal requests. Let's take a listen. I love um, going back to the like nothing about us without us. Like that is huge. We um, we started doing that here in Missouri. Um, like I remember when that shift happened, like whenever we were inviting, you know, youth to their meetings, to be part of their meetings, to actually have a voice at those meetings, to be able to say, you know, like, this is what I really want instead of just making those decisions for them. Um, and then like when they couldn't be there, having that advocate that could be there for them. And that's where I see like church members coming in too. So if you have met with this family and, you know, you were able to complete that care portal request, but you keep that relationship there, like if these families aren't able to be at their own meetings, you are the advocate for them to be able to, you know, tell the people in their team and the professionals on their team how well they're doing and what this kiddo would like or what this mom would like to be able to be the advocate for them is huge. It's a, it's a difficult seat. I hear you guys saying like, it's, you know what, what things kind of poke at you and, and make you want to affect change. And so it's a difficult seat to be in when you don't necessarily see the change happening right in front of you. And so to sit in the seat where you're kind of being pulled in two different directions, I think has to be extremely difficult. Jessica, talk a little bit more about that social work piece um, and the caseworker, because I know that's dear to your heart um, of being able to really understand what they go through, because if we are to affect change and they're the ones that are closest to the families, right, before churches become involved, they're the ones in the scenario that know about the ins and outs of what the family is going through. But if they're burnt out and if they're in a space like Arlene is saying, ready to throw up their hands, where does that leave us? And so talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. And to be honest, like I was very much like Arlene, you know, pounding my chest, getting people to understand like this isn't working, but how can't like it's hard to make those changes when you are within the system, I think, um, especially like just it changes from county to county even and state to state. And so making those changes is hard. And that's a lot of, you know, the reason that I came over to Care Portal and being able to support from an outside um, and so supporting caseworkers um, from all areas is huge on my heart to be able to show them that they do have supports outside of, you know, what they might be given within their their work. So, you know, like the EAP processes um, and, you know, maybe getting some assistance on their own. It's not always feasible and you don't feel like you have a lot of time for those things. And so having that church person uh, to be able to just have some kind of connection with and be able to talk a little bit about, you know, some stressors that might be going on. I know that, you know, you start you start to just feel like you don't have a heart or you don't have a soul anymore when you're working in this space. As a social worker, you're just, you're laughing about things that no one else in this world would laugh about because that's what gets you by. You know, you're not crying today because of whatever happened on this case. You're laughing about something that is extremely messed up, but it's how, it's how you, deal with it. It's your self-care kind of like you got to laugh to not cry. Um, and so being able to have, you know, just anybody to talk to is huge. Um, and being able to, you know, step away from your desk for a little bit. If a church 
is able to come and bring lunch or just have pizzas delivered, like food goes a whole long way in the social worker's life. Like to be able to step away from your desk for a second, go over here to the break room and get a slice of pizza and chat for a minute. Like their day is completely turned around just by one slice of pizza or, you know, maybe some popcorn and some soda or something to be able to show them that you can take a second to step away from what you're doing um, because most of the time, you know, they're running from one emergency to another emergency, to a court, to a meeting. Um, and so being able to support them is huge. Um, and I think a lot of that kind of reflects sometimes on how our church members can feel too. So they're running from one care portal request to another care portal request and feeling a lot of that secondary trauma on their own as well. Um, and so really just making sure that our church members know that you don't have to answer this request because there's, pro there's probably another church around, or maybe you don't have to put it all on you, but if you can meet a little bit of a request and have another church meet a little bit or have the community by, you know, engaging that community and having them kind of step up to meet some of that request too, it's really just having that team of people supporting you to be able to support this family. You can't do anything when your cup is empty to refill other people's cups. Like you need to have that support and that help um, from the community around you to be able to then support the community that you're serving as well. Thanks, Jessica. Um, I want to follow that up too. Um, having been a caseworker and supervisor and, and, and all sorts of, you know, um, positions within a child welfare agency, I can tell you that it is really, really difficult to work in child welfare at, at, at any given point in time. And I want to kind of separate out for a minute, just, you know, the, the deficiencies of the system as a whole from individual caseworkers, because individual caseworkers feel like they have a mission, just like just like church members do, right? You, they really are in the business to help people. It's their calling, right? And people last if they can hang on to that calling. But that doesn't mean they don't get battered. They do. It's a really hard job. It's really hard to go out to um, homes where you don't know what's awaiting you and, and investigate allegations of abuse or neglect. It's really hard to go remove children from their homes. It's hard to go testify in court. And they take a lot of abuse. And they have to make some really serious decisions, you know, with the help of their supervisor. But nevertheless, these are really hard, hard, um, hard jobs. That, and we ask of such young people to, to do these jobs. So many of our caseworkers are in their 20s, you know. They don't have a lot of life experiences. And they're not responsible for what resources are available. And the best caseworkers are running around trying to get the resources that the families need. And so first of all, Care Portal makes it so much easier for them. They don't have to call every church in, in you know, a 12 county area to try and get the resources that, that families might need in order to keep the families together. And so often they feel so attacked 
and underappreciated. You know, the media isn't very kind to child welfare. Um, and, and we feel in child welfare, I'm saying, you know, that the media has attacked us and, and made it our whole business to keep children and families safe. And it's not, it's the whole communities, you know, but nevertheless, we're the ones on the front lines and we're the ones that, that feel responsible. So the other piece that I love about Care Portal that you were just saying, Jessica, is how much churches can rally around caseworkers and appreciate them. Right after I retired, I went um, to, uh, to several unit meetings with uh, caseworkers and supervisors with Bishop Blake. And we told them how much we appreciated them, how we knew they were working really hard, how their lives are tough and we're here to help. And I have to tell you that in every single one of those meetings, the caseworkers burst out crying because no one had ever told them that before. And that is such a shame. And I would like to see the church and the communities wrap around caseworkers to help them, to give them the support that they need in order to deal with the difficult situations that they're deal dealing with and to help them support the children and families in their communities. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, you know, as a caseworker, taking that abuse from, you know, the courts and, you know, maybe even people higher up within your own organization and, you know, not getting this report turned in on time or taking that up abuse from biological parents and some children. Like I could tell you quite a few stories on the amount of times that I got kicked by a kiddo or I almost got punched in the face by mom. Um, you know, I left the courthouse crying many times because I was worried about what I did say or what I didn't say, or I forgot about this part, or, you know, this lawyer just really went at me on the stand and there's only so much that I can do. Um, and so the amount of abuse and the amount of like secondary trauma and a lot of things that, you know, these caseworkers go through is crazy. Um, and they are the young people. They are like, you know. I was in my early twenties when I started there and like going through, like I had a family of my own. And so like really just trying to figure out like, well, how do I serve all of these kids on my caseload and then come home and be with my family and be with my own kids. And really just being able to like separate that time was huge for me as a worker. Like I needed to be able to flip that switch off so that I could be present with my family and with my kids and not think about, you know, what happened on that caseload or the fact that I just got kicked in the arm from this kiddo I was trying to transport to get him to the hospital because he was homicidal or, you know, whatever that may be. Or I almost got punched in the face by a mom and like trying not to get all worked up about that and just being present for my family. Um, so that's that's been huge. Um, and then the part on um, Audrey, like you were saying on the caseworkers not being never really being the good people. Like we, they are always seen as the person who took my kid or the baby snatchers, as a lot of people say. Um, and like during, during COVID and the shutdown um, during this pandemic, there was a call with a lot of pastors praying for those first line or like first responders. So praying for the policemen and playing, praying for the medical staff and praying for teachers 
and there was zero mention of social workers. And there is a coworker who stood up at that meeting was like, wait a minute, guys, we're missing people. These social workers are still going out and meeting with these families. These social workers are going in and still having to remove kids if necessary. You're still going to have to make their monthly visits to make sure that these kiddos are safe. And so remembering that they are here too. And like, they are part of those first responders and they are part of the people who are going into these houses sometimes without that police backup if you need it and sometimes you know in some crazy situations where they don't they might not feel safe and they aren't able to do anything about it to protect themselves like we've like a kid kicked me and I almost got punched in the face by a mom and I couldn't do anything about it. I just had to let it happen. And so like, those are the people like these social workers that we're putting out here in their young twenties. Um, they, they need that to help from other people to be able to turn that switch off and to be able to decompress and be able to come home to, you know, maybe if they have a family or to be able to really understand like, the secondary trauma that they've went through um, and really just to be able to take care of themselves and have that self-care. And so like having church members is huge, like having somebody to be able to pray for them and to be able to help them through whatever situation it might be. Like there's child fatalities that they have to live through and they can't always go to those services for those kiddos that they were really close to as their caseworker. Um, And so just being able to sit down with somebody from church and pray about it and have that time to kind of decompress and talk about what's going on on their caseload and within their own family structure and just within their selves as well is huge. Yeah, some really important stuff. And there's no quick fix to the system. There's no quick fix to how to make a social worker or, or excuse me, a um, caseworker's life as easy as possible. There's no quick fix to how to help the family through their constraints that they're going through. But what are some things, and I'll start with you, Arlene, that you can offer a church responder of how to help a family walk through it? We're not here to fix it. We can't fix it, but we all play a part. And hopefully there's been some things that they can pull from today's conversation. But I want to see what else are we able to offer them in helping a family navigate the system that they might be either in or facing or worried about being pulled into. So um, I'm going to piggyback off of um, uh, trying to refill other people's cup when your cup is is half empty. Um, uh, A good rule of thumb that I follow when it comes to my, I'm going to talk about my gas tank here. When it comes to my gas tank is once I get at the halfway mark, I go and refuel. And so uh, oftentimes what we see are uh, folks who are, uh, they're running on empty. They, They don't even have half a cup. They might have a tenth of a cup and they're still trying to pour something out. So as a church responder, um, I would encourage uh, church responders to one, learn about the communities being served and um, their culture, but also learn about the role of a caseworker and how you can support them. What are some of the things that they do need? What are some things that are supportive of them? Give them encouraging words. Like if your ministry wants to take a day and just write out some thank you cards to your local child welfare agency, 
do that because again, we're all part of the same community. And that really speaks to removing that isolation in those silos that we work in. Because when we stop looking at things as, well, there's the Children's Services Agency over here, there's the family and the community over there, we're the church, we're over here, then there's a school over there, there's a justice system there. Now, we are all part of the same community because if any one of us touches any of those systems, guess what? We're all coming from a community and we're all connected in some way. So we have to make sure that we are building relationships, most importantly, friendships with everyone across all the aisles. We are reaching that hand out to say, hey, my name is Arlene. I'm so pleased to meet you. Can you tell me more about what it is that you do? Tell me more about your experiences. Tell me about your life. And how can I help? As always ask that question, how can I help? And in, in learning how you can help, make sure that you're equipped and prepared to help. If you need to take a moment to go and get equipped and prepared, which includes taking care of yourself, which includes meeting your own well-being needs and your own mental health needs, your own physical well-being needs, all of those things, take care of those things first so you're at least going out there with the full cup. And then um, the last thing I'll mention is uh, the term foster kid. We just let's just avoid that as much as possible. Um because that with that comes a, a negative connotation. It it comes with a stigma. I mean we've seen all the the scary movies and the cases that have made the news and people are very quick to point out, oh, they were in foster care as though that made that person who they are. It did not. Um a foster kid is just a kid. That's all they are. They're a kid. And so you have to be very mindful of what do children need? What does a kid need? A kid needs to feel safe. A kid needs to have family. They need guidance. They need support. They need protection. They have very basic needs. All kids do. They have a need for connection. And so how are we as responders equipping ourselves to be able to meet the needs of the kid who's also connected to a family? And I think that's the most important thing. We got to stop thinking about kids as, as foster kids, system involved kid, juvenile justice kid, whatever the whatever tagline we put before a kid, just drop it. They're a kid. What does a kid need? Start asking that question. Instead of asking, well, why are you doing this? Start asking what happened to you? What happened to you? Because children respond to their behavior. And when we meet those very basic essential needs of giving them a family that is stable and making sure that that not only does the child have guidance, but the family also has guidance and they know how to access supports and resources, which as a church responder is incredibly helpful because now not only have I made a connection with you, the family and your child, I'm also connecting you with the resource of me, the ministry, a church, and we can provide that support to you. We can be there for you. Um, and so I just I think that's that if I had to put my stake in the ground on one thing, let's just stop any prefix before a kid, just their kid. And what do they need? All the things any other kid would need. And how am I equipping myself to be able to support that kid in the community across all areas of the community? I mean, I think she said it all like that's. <laughs> That's exactly what we need. Like that's, those are all the right things. And I couldn't say anything, anything more or anything better than how she just, all of that. <laughs> Ditto. 
I agree. Thank you, Arlene. Thank you all. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Arlene. I certainly appreciate this conversation. And my hope, of course, is that each person listening is able to take something away and make a family better, make a child's life better. Thanks for listening. There's always more to the conversation, and we invite you to share your thoughts in the comments section. Don't forget to subscribe and to stay connected.